Emil's not here today, but we wouldn't leave you home, dry newsable listeners. We have got in studio producer Jono. Hello, everybody. How was your weekend? Oh, look, pretty chill, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, not a huge amount to report. Very quiet. How was yours? Yeah, probably about the same. Obviously, watch the Chiefs v Crusaders. Oh, I'm glad one of us did. <laughs> The other thing that occupied my weekend, of course, was what I was going to write to Taylor Swift. Yes. Now, how are we getting on with that wee letter to convince her to come to New Zealand? Mm, uh, It's short. It's snappy. It's not done, is it? It's not done. (laughs) So my letter so far as it stands is, kia ora from New Zealand, Taylor. It's me, Imogen. Please come to New Zealand. It's as far as I got. Anyway, my letter is shocking so far because it's sort of like a crippling factor in terms of the anxiety. So if you've got anything you would like to say to Taylor Swift or Taylor Swift's management or whoever's email we can find that's remotely related in some way to Taylor Swift, flick us an email, newsable at stuff.co.nz. Should we get the show on the road? Let's do it. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Imogen. And I'm Jono. And this is What's Worth Talking About. This feels like a huge question, but what is happening in Russia? A mercenary leader threatens Vladimir Putin, but then doesn't deal with him and calls off the troops. We will explain what has happened and what might happen now, more importantly. Plus, Chris Hipkins is off to China, so what can we expect from his meetings with the world's second largest economy? Have you been bombarded by ads for what looks like an online shopping extravaganza slash game slash who knows what? Find out more about Timu and why you might want to think twice or even three times before you actually buy anything. And we're going to try to set a world record about drag queens. That's all I'm going to say. Well, there's nothing else to say. (laughs) We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. One organisation that's been dominating the news over the weekend, and you may or may not have heard of them before, and that's the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group is a Russian paramilitary group or a mercenary group, depending on who you speak to. Just quickly, a paramilitary group is basically an army that's not formally part of the army, and a mercenary group is essentially a guns-for-hire kind of gig. Anyway, the Wagner Group rebelled against the Russian military and the Russian government over the weekend after increasing tensions between the group's founder and leader, Yevgeny Prigozhin, and the Russian authorities. And when I say tensions, I mean I mean tensions. Prigozhin went so far as to dismiss Russia's reasons for invading Ukraine, which saw him charged, uh, unsurprisingly, with a whole range of things, including inciting an armed revolt. But the next minute, he does a deal with the government, which sees all the charges against him dropped. He calls off his troops, effectively... Rebellion over almost as soon as it started. So what on earth is going on and what does this then mean for the war in Ukraine? Robert Patman is a professor of international relations at Otago University and he's with us now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Prigozhin was formerly a close ally of Putin. Will this change of tune do anything to affect Putin's standing amongst the Russian public? Some have described this bizarre saga as extremely embarrassing for the Kremlin. Oh, I think 
Putin's probably at his weakest in his uh, 22, 23 years in power. And I think two things have signalled his weakening. First of all, we've had a limited mutiny led by Yevgeny Prigozhin. And on the eve of that mutiny, um, Mr. Prigozhin said that the Ukraine invasion led by Mr. or initiated by Mr. Putin was based on lies. Mm. This is a pretty damaging criticism. And then the way in which the outcome of the insurrection, the limited insurrection that's occurred, Mr. Putin, in the course of what appeared to be a coup, denounced uh, Mr. Prigozhin as a traitor. Um, but the terms of the deal he's reached via uh, the president of Belarus, Lukashenko, is that Mr. Prigozhin and his followers in, in Wagner are completely exonerated legally. They don't face any legal charges. So Mr. Putin has done a spectacular U-turn accusing someone of treason and then saying, oh, no, I was wrong. You can go free. Broad question here, I know. But what does this mean for the war? I, I think it cannot but work in the short to medium term in Ukraine's advantage because although there's a truce at the moment between those who are marching on Moscow, uh, the Wagner Group, and the Russian government, I don't think that's the end of the conflict. That means that Mr. Putin will be distracted and he's already struggling. I mean, the invasion has been a, a catastrophic strategic blunder by Mr. Putin. We're beginning to see the domestic, if you like, blowback, fallout. Putin's whole idea that he could invade and conquer Ukraine is unravelling. Pivot away from uh, Russia and Ukraine, turning to Prime Minister Chris Hipkins and China. The Prime Minister managed to secure this meeting with Xi Jinping uh, before he even left. Mm. We saw the difficulties Anthony Blinken had trying to pin uh, President Xi down. Is that significant? Can we read anything into that? I think it's, it, I mean, you know, the relationship between New Zealand and China goes back a long way. I think China makes a distinction between New Zealand and Australia. It sees Australia as just much closer to the United States, whereas it sees New Zealand as a country which is very friendly with the United States, but is prepared to make independent decisions. And so I, I think, yeah, that may be one of the reasons that Xi Jinping is seeing Chris Hipkins. Uh, he may be, there may be several reasons. He's, Mr. Hipkins is a new leader. Mm. Um, he's aware that Mr. Hipkins is facing an election in September, October. But um, it, it may be also a way of signalling um, that China does value very much the relationship with New Zealand. Robert Patman, uh, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. If you're tempted by what looks like some amazing deals on that new shopping site, Temu, then just hold fire for a bit because we're going to talk about some of the risks shortly. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on TikTok or Insta. Just search for Newsable NZ. And if you want to get in touch with us old school, you can actually send us an email as well. That's newsable at stuff.co.nz. And if you're liking what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. Go on, just do it. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I what, think Chris? That it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you're anything like me, you'll have been spammed lately by ads for something called Temu. Temu. Unsure how it's pronounced, but it's spelled T-E-M-U. Some of the images in these ads are, shall we say, interesting. But essentially, it's an online shopping site unlike most of the others. So here to explain it all is tech commentator Ian Howard from Bright Street Studios. Kia ora, Ian. How are you going? Kia ora, Richard. Very well, thank you. So, Ian, how is Temu different to, say, Amazon, AliExpress, or is it even is it not even any different? Is it just the same thing? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's, it, it's sort of similar to the likes of the AliExpress um, and, you know, the big sort of Chinese uh, marketplaces, if you like. So I guess we're it's slightly different... Um, from traditional retail apps is that instead of buying through a retailer who sources the goods on your behalf and then becomes the distributor of those goods, this is connecting you directly to the manufacturers of the goods. Um, and in that way, stripping out some of the cost of the middleman in the middle. That's that's the idea. Is it kind of like Etsy, but more big scale? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. And look, I'm going to ask you a question. You might not know the answer to it. It has come out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden, it's just ads left, right, center. There, is, there seems to be no app I can use without getting bombarded by the Temu ads. What's going on? Yeah, they're, they're obviously on a huge drive to scale very quickly. Um, and so they've rolled out across multiple markets, not just here in New Zealand, it's been across the world that this has been uh, making an absolute wave. But yeah, look, they're scaling enormously quickly, which, to be honest, creates some suspicion. Um, you know, ordinarily, apps that scale very quickly, uh, what they're incentivized to do is just grow their user base as quickly as possible. Um, now, generally, retailers care more about the revenue that they can get. So the amount of product that they can shift and the amount of money that they can get for that product because that allows them to drive profit. Um, the the apps that tend not to worry so much about profit and just care about user numbers are those that tend to sell their users. So actually they know that if they just drive user growth, they can create revenue from those users in the future and tend not to worry quite so much about the revenue at this point. Which makes you wonder if Timu, um, because they're taking that latter approach, is sort of less of a retailer and potentially more about monetizing its users. Is it legit? Are there any concerns about it? Well, no, look, I, I think it is legit. There definitely are some concerns about it. I mean, I think the concerns are on uh, at m- multiple levels. You know, the first being the low quality of the goods that you're getting. So, um, you know, what what they're doing is selling goods at one-tenth of the price that you might buy them through other retailers. Now, generally in the online world, you get what you pay for. And so you're not getting the same goods for one-tenth of the price. You're getting substandard, lower-quality goods which starts to feed into the second concern, which is obviously environmental concerns of it, meaning that we're just creating more disposable plastic goods. Um, I think the third concern that I probably have, I I think it would be hard to say it's not legit, but one of the genuine concerns is um, the fact that they're sort of driving demand by uh, creating almost an experience that's a bit like gambling, actually. So you don't you're not really shop on the... Well, you do shop on the site. You find products that you like, but then you have the opportunity to win discounts you get incentivized to do certain things to create, you know, almost get product practically for free. Now, we know that gambling is addictive by its very nature, but also the design that they're using within the app to create, you know, kind of almost casino-based, big glowing uh, colors and, um, you know, spinning wheels and that kind of stuff. Ten minutes only kind of vibe, eh? Yeah, exactly. Very much about creating urgency, about making people feel like winners and about, you know, tapping into that sense of, you know, that dopamine re- the response that we get from winning something, basically. And so uh, there is a concern that, you know, it's it's fueling almost the kind of shopping addiction rather than people looking for stuff that they actually need. It's more about fulfilling an unnecessary desire. Ian Howard, thanks for chatting. Good idea. It was a nice chat. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, 
The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. So you know how there's a world record for everything? There absolutely is. Some of these things are so niche, it just astounds me. Well, I found one that was set three days ago over the weekend. Oh, this is going to be good. I can tell. I can feel it in my bones. That I know that you have a very good chance of matching or beating yourself. Is it the number of savouries eaten in one sitting? <laughs> it's not, but I can't believe that. I can't believe I hadn't thought of that before. We could try that every day, probably. Yeah. I'm not saying you eat that in a normal I sandwich. think that's called training. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, this one. A RuPaul's Drag Race superfan broke a Guinness World Record by identifying 47 alumni of the reality competition series in one minute. 47 in a minute. That's quick. That is quick. Uh, Pete May was shown photos of contestants from all 15 seasons of the US version of Drag Race. And like I said, 47 in a minute, beating the old record of a mere 25 in a minute. Uh, so you know what I want to do? You're going to put me to the test, aren't you? <laughs> How did you know? Have what you been it? making a PowerPoint presentation? Is that what you've been doing all day? Um, maybe. Uh, are you going to count me in? I've got my stopwatch ready to go. I can, and in true RuPaul fashion, gentlemen, start your engines and may the best drag queen win. Go. Uh, that is Bob the Drag Queen. Nice. Tasha Valor. Uh, Morgan and Michaels. Uh, Blaze Sinclair. Nice. Uh, Heidi in Closet. Nice. Cameron Michaels. Nice. Candy Muse. Nice. Uh, Irene Dubois. Nice. Uh, Junior Jambalaya. Nice. Uh, Diabetti. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monet Exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nina Bonina Brown. Uh, Trinity K. Bonet. Mm. Uh, Violet Yep. Uh, Ben De La Creme. Yep. Uh, what is her name? Mm. Alexis Mateo. Nice. Uh, Angina. Nice. Uh, Shangela. Nice. Uh, Jiggly Caliente. Jinx Monsoon. Mm-hmm. Bianca Del Rio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Honey Mahogany. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sharon Needles. Raja. Mm. Kimchi. Miss mm. um, Cracker. Aquaria. Brooklyn Heights. Ginger Minge. Alyssa Edwards. Evie Oddly. How many was that? That was 32. Not bad. So I didn't break the world record, but I got higher than the original marker that Guinness World Record set for Pete. Uh, That was impressive. And this mind was no prep. I'm intrigued to know what our lovely news of Bolfano out there, what world record do you think you could set? Or do you already have one? Oh my gosh, imagine imagine if we've got a world record holder listener. I'm so here for that. We want to know your stories. If you currently hold a world record, tell us what it is and how you set it. Even if you know someone who has a world record. Uh, you know the deal. You can find us on Insta at NewsableNZ or you can even email us. That email address is newsable at stuff.co.nz. 
Is that newsable for today? I think it is newsable for today. It was been so lovely hosting with fan favourite producer Jono. I'm Imogen Wells. And I'm Jono Williams. And that is newsable for today. Bing, bang, bong. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz support.